we all I, have to like sing the theme song, right? Like, Ian, Ian, yeah, yes, that is exactly what we do. Exactly what we do every time. We get ourselves psyched up. It's like a Maori war dance. Yeah, it it happens, and and anyone who tells you otherwise is a liar. another edition of the nine circles audio thing uh today we're going to be doing february 2020's album of the month after a couple months off we're back and my name is john and i'm joined by a handful of lovely looking gentlemen this evening uh first on my top left screen is buke buke how are you doing today i am absolutely wonderful i'm doing great hope everyone else is doing well well i'm uh I'm hoping that's the case, but I guess we'll find out as we move on to Vince. Vince, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, feeling accomplished so far today. Uh, is, is Are you going to the farmer's market before or at, already, I, or are you going already, after this? I've already been to the farmer's market, buddy. Yeah, hell yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's living like, the best life. I, uh, on my bottom left screen, I've got Charles. How are you doing over there in TO? I am okay. Uh not too much to talk about. I am drinking coffee and thinking I might be catching a cold, so not happy with that, but good for the moment. Well, I'm hoping that your strength lasts uh, forever, but especially long enough to record a podcast. So, uh, And I think making uh, his first question mark appearance on the yep. uh, show, yep. my bottom right of my screen, we have Ian. How are you doing, Ian? I am doing pretty well. Um, it, it feels really nice to be on because I've been you know, a, a fan of the show for a while, and now I actually get to uh, contribute something, and that's buck wild to me, so I'm excited. Uh, I did not go to the farmer's market today, just in case anybody was wondering about that, but... It was not? to ask. Yeah. Because uh, I don't actually know where there's a farmer's market around me. I haven't lived here long enough to answer those kinds of questions. Boo, this guy doesn't support small businesses, boo! The closest I got was Trader Joe's, so that'll have to do. <laughs> Fair enough. I only go to the farmer's market because there's a small stall that sells used uh, NES and SNES games, so that's fine. Fantastic. It's way cooler than mine. It's also in the middle of an industrial area, so it's not... It, they call it a farmer's market, but it's not quite that vibe. Okay. It's for all professions. Yes. Welcome to another episode of Farmer's Market Chat. Yeah. Surprise! Yeah, no, Ian. This is what we do every time. Again, like this is. <laughs> this is just I getting, must have skipped you, over you the episode where we talked about farmers' market. <laughs> All right, let's what? get to business. Oh, sorry, Charles. I was just gonna say for uh, longtime listeners, it isn't just Vince using two different mics. There are yeah. actually two different people. I'm not Vince, a, I'm but stereo. Yeah. I'm yes. gonna have to use my uh, my like Clint McElroy podcast voice. Like, yeah, you hello. Have, to have a podcasting voice. <laughs> this is Ian. <laughs> that's a very good Clint McElroy radio oh, voice. I, I listen to a lot of Adventure Zone, so 
You and me both, brother. All right. Uh, our album for the for today's conversation is the new Intronaut album, Fluid Existential Inversions. And I definitely had to look at that as I was saying it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I didn't screw I actually practiced saying the title of that album to myself because I knew that I was going to mess it up. <laughs> I mean, if we, we've joked a few times about, like, things that are recurring habits in this show that definitely don't exist, but mispronouncing things on the show is an actual thing that happens all the time. So uh, you got, you got to keep your traditions going. Um, this is the first uh, Intronaut album that uh, has uh, a new drummer, uh, which is going back all the way through, uh, through Null and uh, Void, their first releases. They've more or less, like with a, with a, single guitar change uh, uh, early in their career. This is the, sort of the first big lineup change for Intronaut. And um, for me, uh, going into this album, the that's sort of the question, which is how does Intronaut work um, with new people behind the kit? And uh, I think that's probably... There's, there's definitely stuff to talk about here, but what I found surprising uh, was sort of the other things that sort of show up on this album that haven't before. Um, new musical touches, uh, new, like, small, subtle instrumental additions. Uh, <clears throat> so I think there's actually, like, a handful of interesting, like, subtle developments in Intronaut sound. But before we sort of launch into that, w does anyone want to, like, give us some, like, their thoughts? Like, what are people's histories with Intronaut? Well, I was actually going to say, I wouldn't mind you actually launching into that because I I don't have a great deal of experience with Intronaut. They they are a local band for me. So every now and then I've caught shows where they've like opened or like been an opening act. I think I, I saw them open for a Between the Buried and Me tour that came through uh, like a while back. How uh, how a while back cuz I was going to say I don't remember I believe that there. was the I believe that was the BT Bam Deaf Heaven tour. I saw them open for Between the Buried and Me like ten years ago at the House of Blues in Chicago. Intronaut? And that was the first yeah, yeah. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of them. And I remember not really knowing what to expect, but it was my first sort of foray into that like I almost want to say technical sludge. But I thought it was cool. It wasn't That's like good. anything that I had heard or that I was listening to at the time. So I went back and I listened to a lot of them and then I kind of forgot about Intronaut for a while and then I didn't really listen to them outside of, you know, a scattering here and there. So it was really cool when, you know, when we decided to do this for the album of the month. I got to go yeah. back and check out a whole bunch of stuff that I'd missed and I'll, you know, I'll I'll be honest, my experience with Intronaut was seeing them live and being like, oh yeah, this band is really, this band's pretty cool, and then listening to their recorded content and being like, I don't like this as much. <laughs> Interesting. So, I'm I'm curious as to what, I, I like, I know that the drummer change is, is the big thing that happened to them. I actually wasn't aware that they got a new guitarist as well. Oh, the guitarist uh, change happened after their first album, so that's... Uh, okay. That's like okay, so it's not that doesn't play into this. But I, I, I no. did know that they that they had a new person drumming for them. But you mentioned other musical changes that had happened to them, and I'm not sure that I might be familiar with what you mean by that. 
Um, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely launch into sort of where I saw changes uh, for them. Uh, Charles and well, B, I think what about the other you important thing oh, to mention, I think, is that this is this is this album is your pick, John. You were the oh, one absolutely. who wanted to talk about this. Um, yeah, for for me, like uh, I, I've never been the most familiar I am with Intronaut is the fact that Sasha Dunamal makes amazing guitars, and sure I want one of those. And <laughs> I've bought a T-shirt guitar. from him for his guitar company, but I've never really dived too deep into Intronaut. So this album, I'm going to say, is pretty much just a new experience for me, and uh, it's pretty wild. Like I, I enjoy it, but uh, it is definitely one of those albums that kind of each song packs 10 or 15 different elements into it. And, uh, you know, they've got, they've got great tone and a great sound. So, so, uh, I've definitely enjoyed it. Well, that's good to hear. Buke, how about yourself? It, my, myself as a, uh, fan of between the buried and me, who are one of my favorite bands, I got into internet a little late in the sense that, it wasn't until I started diving into collecting vinyl records uh, a couple years ago uh, on Record Store Day, maybe four or five years ago now, uh, after being 800 records or so deep now. Don't go down that rabbit hole, guys. But uh, I remember I saw the direction of Last Things, and I was like, hey, it's a pretty cool album art. And it, I bought it uh, based on the album art alone. And I think I remember some reviews of the time. It was a pretty good proggy tech album. And I was blown away by that. Uh, sadly, in my personal life, it was a whirlwind the past couple years where these guys, for no other reason than my personal life was a shit show, I forgot about them. And it honestly was not until it was our album of the month this year that I'm like, oh, shit. They have yeah, a new right. album coming out? Yeah, Intronaut's still a thing. Yeah, oh, man. exactly. And there's a great uh, playlist I listened to on Spotify, uh, the, to the, the To The Teeth playlist. It's an independent playlist where whoever curates it really does a great job of finding tracks. Well, I'm on a walk, and I'm like, man, what is this song? And I look it up, and I'm like, oh, shit, a new Intronaut single. No way. And then, like, a week or two later, hey, this is our album of the month. And it was just a perfect storm of this is what we're listening to. My life is back on track now. So that's how I end up back on Intronaut. And, man, what a great album for me personally. But we'll get to that. Absolutely. I, yeah, I feel like, even though this is John's pick, I feel like my experience with listening to this album, I was my first thought was, Buke is going to love this. <laughs> there is definitely there's a lot of parts on there that like i was like this is shades of blackwater park yep it's you know there's i i like one of my favorite parts of between the buried and me that i love is the drumming of between the buried and me is amazing i think the best bassist in metal is in between well one of the best king is a monster 100 percent 100 exactly and the and I was again before I fired into doing this with you guys. I'm in the living room with with my girlfriend watching uh, the videos for Internet, and they make Mastodon uh, <laughs> their normal. videos. Yeah, seem normal. <laughs> um, Did they get the twerk team to show up in one of their videos? Not not yet. <laughs> not yet. Uh, yeah. Not yet. Keep forgetting that that actually <laughs> happened. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, I remember I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know. The bass was coming through real well. The drums, and I'm like, man, this is a, Vince, just like you said. This is why I love Between the Buried and Me, and this is why 
this sticks with me. Their rhythm section is tight as shit, especially on this one. Um, and that bass tone is crushing. It's so good. This is... Um, this, for me... So I, I guess I'll give my Intronaut story now. Um, in 2009, when Mastodon uh, put out uh, Crack the Sky, or they were touring Crack the Sky, uh, they brought Kylesa and Intronaut on tour with them. And I didn't know those bands at the time, but uh, I, I really like Crack the Sky, and so I went to go see it. And at the time, I had been listening to a lot of like hyper, between the Baird and Me and Dream Theater Prague, and I was... And this is my own problem. This is not the fault of the bands, but I was kind of burning myself out on that. I was like, I need something that is just like, not as just hyper stimulating. And Intronaut came on stage and played the first riff of off their second album, which is the song "The Literal Black Cloud." It was da 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 da, and I was like, "Fuck yes, this is the literal." I didn't know that this existed, but I need this in my life. <laughs> and then they play through their set, and it's mostly off of Australopithecus. And oh no, Prehistoricism is the album. And uh, I'm just completely like awestruck at the whole thing. And then they close with Australopithecus. And after they play through their riff at the end a couple times, uh, the two guitarists walk off stage, and it's just the bass player and the drummer just grooving out absolutely hard for like a solid minute just by themselves as the the band has left and they're just playing this heaviest shit riff and i was like okay this is some next level shit this is ridiculous um and then that sort of like hooked me for going back through their their earlier stuff and then like through the years just every time they put out a new album i'd be like all right let's fucking do it and it and i'm and to hear your guys's reactions to this like as being largely a mostly new experience or like a thing you may have like bounced or come to and then like forgotten about that has that helps me in my understanding of my take on this band which is that i think this band has quietly been putting out killer albums for uh like at least 10 15 years at this point that just like and and without and that's not meant as like a like a criticism or feeling like they're undervalued or underappreciated it's just these guys are total pros. Just they go in, they make albums, they release them, they tour them, and then there's just like there's no for as wild as the music gets, there's no like weird bullshit uh, that sort of surrounds them. Like they, I mean, they're they're su they're such professionals that they even signed up to be uh, to learn all of Cloud Kicker's material and be their backing band in 2014. Like, oh, wow. they're just like, we like your music, and we would like to actually learn your band because you're a one-person act. You can't tour, so we'll be your band. And they just <laughs> did that That's because amazing. they liked his music. I was like, fuck! These, and, and, like, we don't, need to, we don't need to talk about the circumstances surrounding their drummer change because it's depressing and, and sad, but, like, their response to that situation was just, as soon as they found out, he's immediately it was the, yeah. it was the best. It was the best that they could have done with it. They handled yeah, it super well, yeah. It was I mean, just like to. in this day and age, you have to. Yeah, and 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 that and that makes sense. And like and yeah, it does create a question of like, what does, uh, what does their, what does Intronaut? Because like for for me, Intronaut is one of the only bands I can think of where, uh, the drummer and bassist are like the stars of the band. 
in like drummers certainly I think get more credit than bassist and metal, but like the like for me when I think of like what's your platonic ideal of listening to Intronaut, it's uh Joe Lester and uh well, I guess Alex Rudinger on this album. Uh just grooving really hard while Sash of Dunable and Dave Timnick are just like fluttering psychedelic bullshit on either like panned left and right, <laughs> just sort of like doing whatever. And it's great and it's wonderful and like and and I think this album manages to to do that slightly. I the, I think my take on this album is that it is a lot closer to Prague than they have been in the past. Um, yeah, but what I would add to that just briefly is that while it's obviously Prague, it's not too Prague. You no. know, like like that's that's what I really liked about it is you know it's got a little bit of everything, but it's not jumping too um, too thoroughly into those prog tropes and they do some stuff which is which i really love which i don't hear as often but it is tends to be used in prog is you know like uh clean palm muted with delay like they're really good at that and i absolutely love that and i don't know if people do that but anyways i interrupted no that's cool um i mean this is probably like a chance for us to like start throwing out takes and like what do we like what do we you know, what are the things we didn't like? Who wants to who wants to go first? All right, this is uh, probably a good chance for us to like open up the proper conversation on the album. Like, what are people's takes? What do you like and alternately not like? Anyone want to go first? I, 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 oh no, no, you you go first because I I have a little bit more of a middling sort of opinion on it, and I would rather have somebody more enthusiastic go first, so I don't like get things off on the bad. So certainly, I. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of touched on it, but I'll mention it again. This is right in my wheelhouse. I love the technical playing with this. I love the uh, recording quality of it. My only nitpick with it is, and I think, though, it's inherent to this genre, though, like the Mastodon style, that sometimes the vocals kind of blend into the rest of the mix. But that's being really nitpicky. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, again, here's where I'm not smart enough to fucking describe it. Like, you know, surrounded by you guys, how well you can write things and describe things. This is just great proggy music that I love. I, this is great. I, I, I'm an idiot, but this is good stuff. (laughs) No, you were, the point of communication is to be able to express your idea clearly. And you did. I if I was writing, to say. Yeah. if I was writing a review of this, I would have said exactly that. It's great proggy goodness. <laughs> it's a good well, thing. I will be writing a review of this, so uh, I might be stealing I, that. I, I have said it in the group chat around before, but you know, I I can I think talk really well. Sometimes it doesn't come across because I'm an idiot. But you guys all write really well, so I'm I'm here trying to I think think of great terms and stuff like that. And it's like, dude, just I like it. Okay, I like it. I have, yeah. <laughs> published reviews ended it with simply saying this album fucking slaps and if you don't listen to it you're a coward so really <laughs> you can just do whatever you want yeah. <laughs> ain't no rules babe like outback steakhouse and you know the the thing is and i'll say before i pass on to the next the thing i like about this music like i like about between the buried and me is these aren't they're not super long opeth songs but they're not super short songs also. They, there's a life to each of the, the tracks that allows them to showcase each of their individual talents as artists as well. And that's what I like about this also. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off that comment because I think that's exactly what that's exactly what I like the most about this album is that I did not get bored listening to it once because there's so much depth and variety to each of the songs, but they are not so long that I stop being able to focus on how they all those different pieces come together. Um, there's I mean, they're they're masters of their craft at this point. The way they can like take those, you know, seemingly disparate elements and and bring them together in a way where everything flows really nicely, and you get a cohesive product from start to finish. I think that's every single track off this album fits within itself, even though they try to do so much and blend so much together. Um, and I also didn't know that they got a new drummer for this album, which is funny because I was going to say the thing that that surprised me the most about it was how much I liked the drum work on it. And I was going to say, oh man, their drummer is still just as good as as I remember. But if it's a different guy, then I think this really helped, you know, push them to you know make really good songs. Charles, how about yourself? Um, I, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not super familiar with Intronaut, but I really, really enjoyed the album. Um, it's weird because because I listen to it and I really enjoy it, but then I'm thinking about it now and I can't actually bring anything to mind other than specific things and like like you know um, the the really nice uh, palm muted with echo stuff, clean tone stuff. I I really like that and and just how it's it's just all over the place, crazy like. It goes from like these really nice kind of chill riffs to, to this really heavy stuff, and and there's just such a huge range in between. And like I said, it's prog, but it's not too proggy. You know, um, I, I tend to not enjoy the really heavily proggy stuff that's out there. Um, you know, like I think Dream Theater is I can't stand them too much wankery, <laughs> but uh, but but like there's there's very little wank on this album, even though they they're mixing it up constantly while they play. Like, you know, each album has tons of different parts and different sounds and, and, but somehow it all just comes together. Uh, and, and I also really like the lyrics because they're just fucking batshit. And, uh, that, that works nicely. I also really like the lyrics and I don't really remember much about intronaut lyrics, but when I'm listening to them, there's stuff that they say and I don't know what it means, but I'm like, yeah, dude, I feel yeah. that. Exactly. Like, uh, that on a uh, Cubensis when he's, I think he says like, uh, drink from the flesh and discard the rind, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. dude, discard the rind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get it. Why did I think a, of that? No, that's, that's that, exactly was a, that was a that was a particularly memorable line. Yeah. Well, I, I you know they say it with those like Alice in Chains style vocal harmonies, and you just sort of you feel it in your gut. You feel it in the, the like the existential void within yeah. you. It's interesting. It's interesting that you mentioned Alice in Chains because there were a lot of moments on this album where I was like, I got like a really sort of like '90s like alt rock vibe to it, and I thought that maybe that was just me. Nope. Or maybe it's just us. Like, it's just the two of us. <laughs> yeah, I don't that, know. Sharing that one brain Vulcan, cell back and forth. Vulcan you know, the, mind meld. The, I, may I add in real quick a quick note? I'm uh, 
I had to just tab out and check uh, the Encyclopedia Medal for them. I, am I the only one who's a little surprised that they're from L.A.? This is a real, you would think that <laughs> they don't. From- they are they are quite the sore thumb when it comes to the Los Angeles heavy metal scene. Speaking as somebody who operates within the Los Angeles heavy metal scene, like th- there's there's a few bands that I see now that do like kind of more of a post metal sort of take away from like your standard like black and death metal stuff, but like there's really nobody that's like Intronaut from here except Intronaut. I also kind of just assumed that they were from, like, Savannah, Georgia, or something like that. Exactly. And, and then I remembered that they were from L.A., and I was like, oh, Los well. Angeles. Like, you would expect, hey, they're from Macedon's neck of the woods. Like they're, right, you would, right. It just, you would think that's from that. Well, they got that, like, southern sludgy vibe down, but they do so much more, too. There's, like, jazz elements to it, and there's whatever, you know, the the... You know, clean palm mute with delay, mm. which is now its own category of sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, I don't know. I think it's, uh, Buke, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes the, the vocals get mixed in with everything else. And I agree. I don't know. I still think that whoever mixed that album probably deserves a round of applause because when you try to blend so many textures together, man, that's got to be really hard. I know. Yeah. I don't know I, I, anything about mixing and, albums. You but. know that was that was that's you know and I'm, I'm I, th- I think sometimes when I come on the podcast, uh, I, I want to say maybe it was one of my early podcasts with you guys. It was John or Charles. I I think they so eloquently just said, "Yeah, I don't like this album at all." Maybe it was <laughs> my first pick with Baroness or something like that. <laughs> but it was oh, just yeah. so great. It was just so simple and blunt. Like, yeah, this isn't for me. Um, the I say all that because the the vocals. The mix isn't bad, like... Oh, yeah, no, I didn't think that was too negative of a comment, because I agree with you. Sometimes it doesn't all... Sometimes it does get sort of muddy, but just thinking about how much work had to go into making all of those textures pop, like, sometimes I feel like you just can't do it. Like, yeah, here's where the vocals are going to kind of blend in. There's nothing you can do about it. We don't have the technology. I I think that it was worth pointing out I don't necessarily mind so much when the vocals get mixed in with the other instruments. I think... I, I prefer that personally, to on top of the mix. Exactly. Personally, I find it much more offensive when vocals sit too high in the mix than when they yeah, sit too low. And there's lots of albums that I have just been like, I cannot listen to this because, of the, because the vocals just like... They jump out in a way that's, that's really harsh. Yeah, like, like you're listening like to whispering like you're listening in my to ear. instrumental, and somebody is standing next to your stereo. <laughs> yes, and exactly. Like one of my coworkers <laughs> is screaming the lyrics of the song that I'm listening to at yeah. standing next to me. Yeah, and the, uh, uh, the... I will say my my favorite thing about this album is the production because it is so it's 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 ridiculously good. Like it's heavy, it's textured everything's all the instruments have their space and like i personally like the way that the vocals are mixed i i should probably look up who is actually behind the board for this one but i think that they did a phenomenal job with the music so i i don't know the name of the guy who they record with but i do know that record they've been recording albums with the same guy like album after album like they just always record with the same guy but for mixing they actually uh they went with kurt baloo on this one 
As you said to Kirk Lulu, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes that's yeah. why that's I'm why not familiar are... with his name. In in this oh, world oh, no, is you, he like the, the, the you know him. Oh, do I no, you've you, listened you, to so many oh, okay. albums that he's produced or mixed and you don't even realize. Because okay. like the only the like, only pro- producer I know is Dan Swano because his you know production just kind of speaks for itself. Uh, he he's got his own style, but Kurt Ballou is like I'm looking him up. Yeah, you look at yeah, that, you look that, that list, and then ten the seconds we'll just hear Butte go, "Holy shit!" He's, yeah, yeah, he's been on everything, and like he just he yeah, he's got a really signature sound that comes through in like a certain chunkiness, a certain like. And and now that you said that, now I'm kicking myself because I should have noticed that, and I can't believe I didn't realize it. But now when I go back and think about the album, like. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's why all the highs sound like super crisp and twangy, and all the lows are really chuggy. Like that's his style. That's how he does it. Yeah, not but quite I, sweet I, levels of mid scooping, but right. Yeah. Well, that's 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 why I think it's a good like Kurt Ballou, When you think Kurt Ballou, there's a certain guitar sound you think of. You think of yes, like your doomed guitar, is. right? But like I I like it when bands like this that are a bit outside of that sort of uh, uh, sonic wheelhouse come to him because it shows that, like, he has his preferred, like, he has st- habits that he gets into, but, like, he definitely can do more than just that. And this mm-hmm. yeah. this album definitely feels- shows off, like, he can handle stuff that is uh, more multidimensional than, uh, than just the thing that people think about when they think it of It feels like a good compromise between the way that he works and the sound that they were going for. Like it think, sounds uh, like Instagram, but with his like personal touch on it. Yeah. I mean I think I think, you know, you look at you look at the crazy absurd list of stuff that, that Kirk Ballou has mixed. And it's it's really obvious that he understands sound in a way that very, very few people do. Yeah. Like uh, and I mean that's the thing is is like you can pick any any album on this giant list and listen to it and you know that it's gonna be crisp and separated, and you can just hear every single detail, and like, I mean, that's pretty fucking rare. And for and for Intronaut, where they often have like the two guitars aren't playing the same part, which don't uh-huh. match the bass part. It all interweaves, but is all separate. Like that is you can and, and even the drumming every isn't piece necess- of it. Yeah, and the drumming isn't necessarily always following any any of the players. Like they're all yeah. working, they all interweave with each other, but aren't just no one's copying each other. Um, Actually, you that's definitely want uh, someone that uh, you want someone to be able to pick out those details. That might be uh, one of the reasons why I really like this album too, because that description reminds me um, very much of. Um, uh, oh God, why am I blanking? Uh, the the band that was formed with the Agalock guys and Giant Squid Dude. Karada, because that was another album where everyone was doing their own thing. But it just weaved together in this super complex tapestry, and I think that's that's true of this album too. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I think um, I was quite uh, I was fond of that album, and sad when they said that they were oh. all going to do the one. <laughs> hey, uh, Vince! Uh, before yep. I go full fanboy, uh, I uh, my my hunch is that you uh, your thoughts are a bit perhaps less effusive. So I'm curious what. Uh, how did this sit Yeah. Um, so, I'm not generally the world's biggest fan of prog stuff. Um, 
I think there's there's a lot that this album did really well for me, and I I want to preface this by saying I don't think that I didn't like it. Um, it has, as we've mentioned, terrific production. Um, Intronaut's biggest strength to me has always been um, their very colorful use of effects, and there's yeah. there's a lot of really interesting tones and like effects that they use on this album for their guitars. And, and stuff that I really and the and bass, the bass tone. Too. Talk about the bass tone. Yes, and the bass tone. We haven't forgotten about you. That um that I found really, really, really interesting. And I've always really admired like their like commitment to being gearheads in addition to everything else too. Um and there are there are some really, really great riffs on this album. I enjoy the fact that it it sort of marries the complexities of Prague with like some of the kind of stupid or heavier riffs of, of like sludge. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think ultimately it still kind of suffers from the same thing for me that all prog albums do, which is that it has these really great moments that I wish would go on longer. And they, they have a tendency to like stop on a dime and switch things around right when I'm getting invested and I kind of like I kind of wish that they didn't do that. I almost wish that there was that they had somebody who would have told them no on some Wait. of these things because I feel like are there's saying, almost Are you saying know. you wanted the songs to be longer? No, I don't. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. We are recording this. It's We're fucking back on this again. <laughs> no, I actually I actually think that the songs are the appropriate uh, are the appropriate lengths. I just wish that some of the I wish they wouldn't try to pack so much into it. Like, I wish they would have let some of their ideas breathe a little bit more instead of just trying to do a lot all the time. Like, but, but I mean, that's, that's kind of just me. That's how I, that's how I like my music to go. Um, I don't think they'd be a prog band if they did that. <laughs> so, so, they so they would just, yeah. I don't know. You're. They would deny a piece of themselves if they did that. And I'm. Look, I'm not saying. I'm not asking anybody to reinvent their wheel. I'm not asking anything of anybody. This is just what I'm. This is just my opinion of the album. You know. Uh, I know. I'm just saying. There are lots of things that I. There are lots of things that I really liked about it, and most of the stuff that I didn't like about it is just kind of endemic of me not being a prog guy. So, mm-hmm. but I think. I think that for, in terms of the prog music you all have made me listen to, it's not the worst thing that I've heard. Put that on the fucking box. That's a review from Vince from Nine Circles. It's the yeah. least offensive prog I've had to listen to. I was, not able to be on the, I was not able to be on the podcast episode for the album in which I am referencing. Um, but I didn't like it. But I did, I do like this Intronaut album, and I think it succeeds a lot more than albums of its style normally do with me, and there's, there's more of a chance with this album that I think I might come back to it if I were in the mood to see if maybe it sits with me better a little away, because there are, there are a lot of really interesting moments on it. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think that... Like, 
so in in preparation for this, I went back and listened to the whole catalog. Um, and they like with their uh, Void EP and no, it was the Null EP, which is their first one, and then their first album Void. They're fairly they're fairly riff heavy. It's a lot busier. I'd say that like from a songwriting perspective, it's uh, closer to what these last two albums have been, but like a lot more like focused on the riffing and less on the sort of sonic uh, qualities that you associate with Intronaut. Um, but once you get to prehistoricisms all the way through Valley of Smoke and uh, Habitual Levitations, they get increasingly <clears throat> less interested in sort of the, the, the faster, heavier riffing stuff and more just sort of like, just sort of soaking in the in the grooves and to the point where you get to habitual levitations and i feel like i get a contact high just listening to it um uh and and like i think that valley of smoke for that time in intronauts period or history ends up being sort of the perfect balance of like like easing off the the riffiness of it without getting listless and without like losing track of songs um uh, the direction of last things uh, felt like a bit of a shot in the arm where they remembered, Oh, right. We're a metal band that writes riffs. And so, um, and again, with that album, they recorded with their, their, their guy, but they had it mixed by Devin Townsend. And so that album just sounds huge. Um, and I think that when it comes to the, the, the drumming sound of, or th this album feels like it is definitely, sort of an evolution of Direction of Last Things, where they're still writing riffs, uh, they're still, like, they've got their, 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 sort of all the extra colorful stuff that you associate with Intronaut, and you have the riffs back. They just, it feels like they're dialing back the intensity just a little bit, but not, it's not listless. It's not aimless in the way that I sometimes worried about with habitual levitation. So that's really good. Yeah. I think, th I think where I, Someone, uh, there's been a little bit of discussion on the vocals. I've always thought that the vocals were the weakest part of Intronaut's uh, discography. Um, I think, like, it was by the time they hit Valley of Smoke is when they start trying to do clean vocals, and I think it's only been the last couple albums where those vocals have actually been like okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think the vocals might be why I bounced off of them in the past. Um, yeah, I, I definitely have to double check, but the, I think so. I, I definitely agree that I I don't. I don't particularly care for the clean singing, but again, that could just be a personal thing for me. I don't think that they're... I don't think it's executed particularly badly. There's just something about it that I don't particularly gel with. I also don't normally go for that, but I think the way they do the harmonies is part of what lends a certain quality to their songs, where it makes them recognizable as an intronaut song you know it's it's for for what it's worth it's part of their sound because i don't know to be a, a really great prog singer you gotta be like you gotta have a range or you gotta be able to do a lot with your voice and i don't necessarily think that they're that good of singers but the way their voices blend together I don't know. It's it's part of the overall effect. It's like almost like adding some kind of a reverb soak on your guitar. It just ends lends this like spacey quality to the the vocals that fits thematically with everything else they have going on. 
I yeah the I think that in a band that is such like is they're they're basically firing on all cylinders for most albums on all fronts except the vocals like the vocals feel like the place where um when they're doing like clean vocals uh it has sort of felt like the one thing in a weird way it almost that's where i would actually make my mastodon comparison is that like Mm uh yeah this is a great band that like that couldn't that struggled with vocals for a while i think by the time you get to this album they've more or less figured it out like you're you're either going to like it or not like it but like this is probably the best their vocals have sounded and i think the harmonies are like i can live with it it's like yes this is no longer a thing that's dragging me out of this experience okay um okay i think on the drumming side um trying to just it, trying to draw my comparison on mostly on the basis of what I'm hearing and not trying to imply too much from the what we know is a new drummer. Um, I think that with writing with their previous album getting back to like riffier, like heavier, like shreddier riffs, um, and this album sort of continuing some of that, the, the, the drumming on the in those sections is is you, I can't tell the difference. I think when they sort of slowed down and, and, and get into those like quieter groove sections where I'm used to hearing like a lot of jazzy cymbal hits and like it's a lot of like the, the drum in those sections. It's now a lot of like individual tom hits that feel very precise and like proggy and sort of like in the uh, not that it's not impressive, but it feels like we're just like it's keeping the beat. It's keeping the complex beat, um, but isn't. Uh, but isn't trying to sort of uh, establish its own sense of like, and again, like when we were talking before about like an intronaut song is where everyone's sort of doing their own thing, but somehow it sounds magical and compelling and it all works together. Right. The, the, the all that, all of those things for the other instruments and the vocals feel there and the drumming feels like it's like, no, we're just going to like make sure we keep the time. Uh, and I know in the, in the jammier parts, I kind of wish that's the only part where I'm kind of like, uh, I've no, I don't like it as much, but that's like, but I've, as I've kept listening to it going, like, I don't feel less, uh, enamored by it. Like every time I listen to it, I'm just like, yeah, this is really good. And I keep coming back to it. Um, and then the last thing, the last thing that I've been thinking about as it relates to the, the music on this album is that, uh, everything up until this point has largely just been like two guitars, a bass player and a drummer and two vocalists um, or a main vocalist and a backup guy. Uh, the anything for as much as, as creative and as colorful as it, as their stuff has always been, it's always come from sort of like they don't do, add a lot of like stuff that they wouldn't replicate live. So like, or anything you need a backing track for. Right. But in this, um, there are small touches of like Mellotron or like what some of those like synthier kind of stuff that sort of like fill in sort of the edges uh, of the songs. And it's, I think that that's interesting. Um, it, it, it sort of adds a new flavor to Intronaut that I feel is a positive where it's like they're trying to like not just branch out, but they're actually trying to branch out a little bit from what they've established as being their dynamic and, but it's not overpowering. Um, there's definitely moments in some of the middle parts of the album where it does sound like they're dipping into like dream theater for a minute. 
uh, some of the choruses. I think it was like check your uh, speaking of orbs or something. The chorus on that. I'm yes. like, oh, it sounds yeah. like Dream Theater. From the from the chords to the to the the harmonies on the chorus. I'm like, yeah, this does sound like it. If if, if Dream Theater was interpreted by Intronaut, this is very much that sort of proggy kind of thing. But it's it feels integrated into the whole and not overpowering or like distancing in the way that sometimes prog can't be. What though, Jonathan? To go with that though, as you know, I just saw Between the Buried and Me got live like a month and a half ago, or something like that. And just one thing I want to say that kind of going off of that is the thing that I like about this, which is a nice change from Between the Buried and Me. Between the Buried and Me is so technical, so precise, it's so clear with everything. That what I like about Intronaut here is they add in that, and I use my freaking hands a lot. What am I doing? My God. Podcast um, is an inherently visual medium. <laughs> they, um, Intronaut here, they they take the sludge, add on to that prog. So it's it's not, it's technical, but there's that little grime to it that I Absolutely. love. There's the, 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 the subtle hint of dumbassery. That yeah. Perfectly yeah. Like, yes. it yeah. It's working man's prog. Yes, <laughs> this is this is middle America. Prog. That's right, middle class Prague. Yeah, this that steel mill shit. <laughs> I think I think it's the riff on Pangloss, the second last track. When it comes mm-hmm. in, like the 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 ending of Check Your Misfortune, it is so cathartic. Like it's just so emotional and cathartic. Yeah. You're like, this is a glorious ending to a song. Like I assume, like. Like, usually when I'm listening to music, I'm not looking at the track list or anything. I'm just, like, I'm working on whatever. And when I hear that, I'm just like, this feels like like a, just a transcendent end to the album. And it fades out. And it's so wonderful. And then this fucking dumbass... Oh, my I was like, oh! It felt like a victory lap of dumbassery. Like, it is... Ignorantly heavy riffs are the best... Yeah, you guys, we should start a PR company. We are just coming up. With, <laughs> if, if this was we'll call it if, ignorantly heavy, if we <laughs> were through, TNT, TNT, I'm for real. <laughs> I love it, man. I'm telling you what. There were an awful lot of riffs on that album that made me make the Meshuga face when they came on, like involuntarily. My muscles spasmed into that face where, like, your eyes roll back and your jaw dropped. You just yeah yeah like when i've been thinking about like definitely thought about like what bands would i compare intronaut to and like i think the i mean well for one like a more recent example is cloud kicker and like he uh, ben sharp actually did write apparently was contributed to some of the writing of this album i could there's a couple places where i was like is this the intronaut riff or is this the cloud kicker <laughs> riff but like um yeah, I know he did some stuff there, and like he's a lot of like rhythmic. Uh, I know he also draws from Meshuga as well uh, in some of his uh, rhythmic experiments. Uh, I think, I mean, uh, Justin from Tool did a guest spot on Valley of Smoke, so that's probably another uh, point of comparison. But like, I and I like Meshuga a lot. I have no complaints about Meshuga, but <clears throat> Intronaut, 
I don't. I think you could probably. I think Intronaut is a lot less alienating, um, mm. and it's like less. It's, it's way more inviting, and I don't think you. I think it's a lot easier for people to onboard with Intronaut than it is yeah. with a band like Meshuggah. Yeah, there's a lot more like warmth to their songs. They're not. Yeah. They're, they're proggy. They're technical, but they're not cold. Yeah. That's not, like, the feeling that you're seeking out from them. wants to have that very alien, mechanical sort of yeah. sound to them, where it's the the extremely syncopated, like, riffs and, the, and drumming and stuff. But there's a lot more, yeah, there's a lot more warmth to it, a lot more humanity to sort of Intronaut's sound. And those those big, chunky, stupid riffs are what really saved this album for me. Like, yeah. Like, I, I almost wish they would have cut out, like, little th- those little snippets of ideas that they have in there and just use that, like, 10 or 15 seconds to just, like, go over that riff a couple more times. Like, because I just, I need that stupid, stupid, sludgy shit just, like, beamed into my brain at all times. There's, um, uh, if, if I had, if there's one thing I can impart uh, with the four of you... Uh, before we sort of wrap up our thing today, not so much about this album, which I think we've more or less like, I don't know if there's much left to say about the album proper. Um, but if there's a, before they put out their second album, they put out a small EP called The Challenger, which was basically just the last three songs they had recorded with their original guitarist. They just wanted to put that, get that out of there before starting fresh. And the there's a track on there called Whittler of Fortune. And it is the way that they the the riff that they build is 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 sort of like it, it does sort of start off as like caveman stupid but the way that they like subtly change the rhythm over time and it just builds is like uh it's it sort of it doesn't it never feels like it sort of it it builds an in intensity and then just keeps building until the crescendo and it's like doing like weird subtle shifts in the riff uh, all the way throughout the whole thing and by the end of the t- by the end of it it's just this like mate like I'm basically hanging on to my seat like trying not to fall off um, so because I know that like EP stuff tends to be like overlooked or whatever my like the thing I wanted to leave everyone with is go listen to Whitler of Fortune because that song fucking slaps will do if you decide, yeah. If, yeah, if, if you if you guys decide that like this is something you would like to go back and listen to I'd I mean, I could I could go on about like what I like and don't like about the albums, but like Whitler Fortune would get missed, and it's probably my favorite Intronaut track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that will be the last thing that I want to say about this album is just to, you know, like I again, I think that this is I think that this might be an album if I were in the mood that I would go back to and listen again to try to maybe see if I understand it a little bit better. Um, yeah. Like I think that like the, the the earliest stuff tends to be the most riff heavy, and if you're more into if you're more into the riffiness of uh, like and like I think some of the reviews of earlier stuff like would put it into like like death like I don't know if they would call it death metal or um, or like prog death or something, but like it's that stuff definitely that's where they start, but then like the middle like two three four albums are a lot more about like your psychedelic jam stuff. Um, and then they only sort of bring back sort of a full four, like a full, like the full color spectrum of like what that band is on these last two. Um, if I had to sum up Intronaut in like a very short description, that's more or less what I do. 
Well, I think that's probably going to uh, wrap up uh, our internet chat for now. Do we want to move on to talk about other albums that we've been listening to? Yeah. Sure. I do, because uh, I February had some, some absolute hitters. Yeah, well, want, uh, what's, been, uh, what's been tickling your fancy? I want to talk about Scream, though, right now. <laughs> the least... The, the least surprising thing you've probably ever heard coming out of my mouth. Yeah, the so, evil listener has logged on. Yes, yeah, yeah the, screamo, the Screamo Evangelist has logged on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there were quite... When I was looking back, there were quite a few albums in February that I think have, like, actual year-end list potential for me. And uh, one of them is... <laughs> It, one of them's pretty much guaranteed to be my album of the year for 2020, and I know that it seems really weird to call it like that right now, but um, it is going to take... I, I mentioned this in our in our group chat a while back when I found out that this album was finally going to happen, that it is going to take a Herculean effort by every band on the planet to put out something that I'm going to like more than this, and that is the new album from Envy. Um... And it's it's weird because I almost I almost was not going to sit here and say that because the first time I listened to that album I really didn't like it, and I don't know if it was okay. I, it was my it was my reservations I think from it doing something that I didn't expect and like a whole lot of build up because this is the first album that they have put out in uh, five years I think yeah since five years the Atheist Cornea was twenty fifteen. Maybe I have to um, give it another listen because I bounced off of it the first time too. Um, I like it bounced off pretty hard, and I was like, eh. "Yeah." The first time I listened to it, I didn't like it. I thought that it was, um, I thought that it was disjointed. I thought that it just like it didn't like work for me, and I was really disappointed. And I listened to it again, and I was like, "Okay, you know." There are things that I don't like about this, but like there are still some stuff that it does good. And then it, it took me until probably the fourth listen where I finally, finally got that this is the fucking greatest band in the world feeling from it. And like once I sort of let it do what it does and like let go of my preconceptions for what I thought it was going to be, it is such a fantastic fucking album. It is the most diverse, I think, that they have ever sounded in their, like, 30-year career. And they do it all so well, still. And, like, there's... It is... They have, like... They have the heaviest songs, I think, that they've ever written on there. They have, like, the prettiest songs, I think, that they've ever written on there. It's just, like... It's insane that a band that has gone through as much as they have in five years came out and wrote, I think, like, the best album that they've ever done. It didn't hurt that they lost, like, half of the band between the last album and this one. They they have a new guitarist and a new drummer. That's it. Two new guitar players. Okay, yeah, one of them them they didn't necessarily, like, they lost a guitarist and a drummer. They got two new guitarists and a drummer. That and upgrade then to, the whole that three guitar status is what makes that album shine so brightly, I think, because they have so much depth to their sound and so many like interesting harmonies and counterpoints yeah. that they have going on that they they did before, but there's a you know, there's an added layer to it. They like 
there's a lot of bands that have three guitar players in them, and it's three guitar players playing the same riff. And they don't do that. They know how to use the space that they have to work in. Because that's the one thing that Envy does really, really well. Oh, yeah. Envy, everything has its everything has its place, everything has its part, and it's just it is the most emotionally moving music that I think I've ever listened to. Like they are without question, I think, one of the best bands on the planet. And I'm I'm just I'm constantly in awe now every time I listen to this album that it's like it's just unbelievable to me. It reminds me a lot of Recitation, and Recitation is my favorite Envy album. It's it, it's less to me like Atheist Cornea or All the Footsteps or any of the other ones. It reminds me a lot of Recitation with the ebb and flow of the way those songs move. Atheist Cornea was much more punchy, I yeah. think. It's, it this one they went like they went very heavy into the post rock territory, and mm-hmm. I always have always maintained that that's an angle that works for them. But they also have their scramziest song that I think they've they've put out in, like, as long as I can remember, which is Fingerprint Mark, which is, like, an absolute ass-beater that I was not expecting to hear from them. I like the use of the term ass-beater. Yeah. <laughs> it's... I can't definitively say that it's gonna be, like, my album of the year, but it is the best thing that I've listened to so far this year. I've been I've been looking forward to this album since they put out the two like first singles from it in like twenty eighteen or something yeah. like that. It's been it's like been a while. Hey, Vince, for those people who may have missed it at the start, could we quickly glance through? Can you mention it again for everybody? Oh, this is the album that I'm talking about is um Envy's The Fallen Crimson. Fair, fair enough. Uh, who else has got something from uh, February? Um, I got a couple. Um, first one is uh, uh, Kanoma by Sons of a Wanted Man. Yeah, uh, Sons of Randomly yes. on. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? It's a little bit rough in the production department here and there. Like some mm-hmm. of the some of the balance is kind of off, but it's got this really good mole thing happening. Uh, like a hint of Alceste, a hint of Svalbard, mm-hmm. and and it all it all just. I mean, I've really enjoyed it. I've listened to it uh, quite a bit. Um, so definitely check that out if you haven't. I love the album art, too. The yeah, album art great. Drawings. Yeah. That's, that's what I I saw that come up. I saw, I, it, I think it was you recommended it. I saw, oh, I looked oh, it up because I was bored and I need... Hmm? Yeah, it was Tom that recommended it to us. Yeah, I needed something to listen to and I saw the album artwork and I was like, eh, how bad could it be? And I really <laughs> liked that album. That was... It- it, it gave good. me something to, like, groove to. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the the female vocals they use on a couple tracks are just yeah, surprising. Yeah, those are my favorite they... tracks on the album. Yeah, actually, um, I think, was it this one? No, it was a different one. Had a similar vocalist, anyways. Um, yeah, and then the other album, which uh, I think uh, Buke just found the other day, was uh, Cosmic Terror by The Spirit, which... Yep. I put this on because it floated to the top of Bandcamp's site, and you know I'm listening to it. And I'm like, okay, it's it's kind of like black metal, and then it's like, wait, suddenly it's melodic death metal, and I'm like, what is going on? I love this. It's super fun. It is just a, a really great album, um, and it's it's got fun album art too. Like it's just it does. A, it's just a good fun album. 
That's been um, my uh, my driving to work album. Yeah, I've been it's really that on for the past like three days, just like yeah. trying to get there. I I have that one on my like to my to do list in Spotify essentially, but I haven't I haven't quite gotten to it yet. But I guess I'll it's, have to. There's strong cloak vibes I got from it. Really, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I, I can sit that. down with some Black Death that yeah. apes that's like goth rock shit. A little bit of that. Yeah. Um, and then, because we skipped January, I'm going to call out one other album from January that kind of hit me exactly the right way, is uh, Puritan Masochism by Convent. This is an amazing, amazing, like, doomy death metal band, uh, all women, and it destroys. This is one of the heaviest albums I've heard in a while, so if you haven't listened to it, you should definitely check it out. Um, is, her vocals are insanely brutal. Like, just so good. What were you saying, Vince? I was going to say that's another album that's on my to-do list that I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, can you, so can you say people. the name of that again? Because I'm writing it down because this sounds like exactly what I need in my life right now. It's Puritan Masochism by Convent. And Convent okay. is spelled with a K. Yes, uh, of course it is. It falls yeah. under the Mortal Kombat rules of spelling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that's a hell of a title, though. Like, that's uh, I certainly sold on that alone. Oh, um, yeah. Now, now the downside is is that on Bandcamp, they don't have all the tracks as streaming, but it is on streaming services. So, it's on the uh, Bandcamp, I know for sure. Um, nice. if, anybody, if anybody wouldn't mind, while we're on the subject of Death Doom, there was another very important release that I wanted to talk about from February, which is a split between Spectral Voice and Anhedonist, which, if anybody is not familiar with Anhedonist, fix that immediately. They are one of my favorite death metal bands of all time, and if you want stupid riffs, they are the kings of, like, the dumbest pinch harmonics and, like, the stupid, chuggiest riffs imaginable. And, like... They are broken up as a band. They are still broken up, but they resurrected a song from an unused release to do a split with Spectral Voice specifically, who are another one of my favorite death metal bands running right now. Like, it is... It's it's like 13 minutes of every single thing that I love about death metal. It's... It's so ridiculously good. <laughs> This has been one big stupid riff episode. I love it. Yes. <laughs> I won't make every episode a stupid riff episode, and there are none there are none dumber than the riffs that you'll find on this on this little seven inch. It was one of the few albums in recent memory that I have pre ordered before clicking play on it because I knew exactly how good it was going to be, and it was that good. It's crazy. <laughs> Ian, what kind of dumb riffs do you have for us today? I was literally just about to say, speaking of music that makes you stupider when you listen to it, uh, <laughs> I, I put up a review. It's out now. Uh, the sophomore album from Xenobiotic um, is really, really good, and it makes me forget how to do math. It's it's so... I don't know. There's not really much to say about it. It's not a very, like, deep and philosophical album with a lot of depth and texture. It's like being kicked in the balls repeatedly. And it's... I don't know. It's really good. It it hit, it ticks all of my boxes. Um, there's just... There's something about it. I think I read I read your review of that. Um, oh, there, that's nice. 
they're a little bit like they're a little bit techy if I'm not yeah, mistaken. They're techier now than they were before. They didn't okay. used to be techy, but I I'm think they also switched out like, all, so. <laughs> they also switched out like three members between albums, so I, I saw that they were on Unique Leader, so I kind of have an idea of what they sound like because yeah. Unique has a certain sound that they curate. Yes. Yes, and it, it fits in pretty well with the rest of their stuff. Whatsoever, they do what they do, and they do it fine. Is that I album it. art from who I think it is? <laughs> yes, it's Marish Lewandowski. <laughs> that's, that's part of the reason I didn't even have to listen to that album. I saw the artwork, I was like, is that? And it was, and I was like, alright, cool, this is a good album. I've seen a lot of people try to clown on him being wow. like the new hot thing because people He's don't good. like people don't like when things get popular. Yeah. But I don't even if, mind that. It's just if you don't like giant pictures of hooded figures, fuck you. Yeah. Like I don't <laughs> yeah. care if this guy can only paint one thing. He paints my favorite thing. So fuck <laughs> Yeah. Right. All right. I wanna, and and, I it's, not, and it's not his fault that people want to buy license his paint. Oh, yeah. Like, no, I don't. Get paid, he's, dude. He's I found, I found his website, and he's selling, like, the originals from some of the, the artwork that he's done for bands for $4,000. And I was staring at it like... I could sell a kidney. You know what? <laughs> I could live. I could live without, like, you know, an organ or two if I really wanted this. It'd be a small price to pay for me to own, like, the the Cairn album art, like yes. the original Cairn album yes. art. Kill for so, that. I want to ask a quick question about this album because I'm looking at their Bandcamp page mm-hmm. and it has bright green and bright red text. And yeah. I'm going to make an assumption here based on what you've said about the album. Does it feature a Boss HM2? <laughs> I'm sure it does. I'm almost positive that it does. It's gotta. How else do you get that, you know, that level that you're looking for? Fantastic. Um, I have also been going back a lot to uh, Dicatafalk's new album that came out, like, way yeah. at the beginning of January. It's really good. And it's sentimental because that was, like, the first review that I wrote. So it it holds a special place in my heart. But I think on top of that, it's just a really good album. And I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, and it, it's something that I just keep coming back to. It You know, it's for for all of the, the prog and avant-garde elements in it. Those songs are really catchy. And I wake up, like, with them stuck in my head still. And that's crazy. Yeah, it's. I find myself singing along with words I don't even understand. Right. I, I know a little bit of Hungarian now. All of a sudden. <laughs> and, and, and like, I I do also really love the album because it's super creative. The one thing I do wish, and you know, we talked about this in chat a little bit, is I do wish they had the ability to grab some actual instruments instead of samples because yeah, uh, yeah. like I see what they're doing. I understand what they're doing. I love the song composition, but there's a few bits where where instrument samples really kind of let let the album down. Yeah. Um, I don't really hold it against them because I bet you know finding people to go and fucking record classical instruments for a metal album is cost yeah. prohibitive. But uh, you know there are good samples out there, and you'd be nice if you know they just taken a little more time to try and find them. But uh, you know. Still a great album, regardless. Yeah, still a very good album. Still one that I feel like is probably going to end up in my top ten list if I keep coming back to it as often as it's I have It's definitely been. 
going to make my end of year list, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it'll be top 10, but uh, I I mean, I, I really love uh, what they do in terms of being super creative and non-standard yeah. and not conforming to anything at all. Like, no. you just never know what you're going to get. I'm, and I'm not a big... I'm not somebody who's drawn to something that is labeled avant-garde. Because <laughs> I kind of felt I... like it was going to be a pretentious mess, and it's not. It's a really tightly focused album, and it's just made by a guy who has a very specific vision of what he wants it to yeah. be. And that's you, that's something that I really respect. Have you listened to any of their other albums? Yes, I have. I went back and listened to uh, uh, Geometria, and one of their older ones back when they were a two-piece. Do you? How do you feel like the new album stacks up to their old ones? Because I've listened to some of their older albums before, and they don't they don't really sit with me all that well. I feel like they're the wrong kind of like. I don't know. There's they're they're a little bit too much for me a lot of the time. There it, it you really get a sense of what he's listening to and what's moving him in the moment that he's making those albums because Geometria is very heavily influenced by jazz, I feel like. So there's a lot of jazz elements on it. Whereas I can tell for Naive he's been listening to a lot of folk music because it's very folky with like Ouds and violins and you know Quenya flutes and stuff like that that isn't found anywhere else. And the old stuff is is your, I would say not prototypical black metal, but it's a lot more metal influenced than. I mean, he called this he called Naive the least metal album that they've ever done, which is not to say that there aren't blast beats and tremolo pick guitars and copious amounts of distortion. But I I I kind of see where he's coming from on that. There's also slap bass and trombones and, you know, and violins. And amazing. The slap bass is what I wake up with stuck in my head just like... It's boom, so boom, catchy. It's so catchy. And you wouldn't think that it works, but it, it totally does. He finds a way. I love slap bass and metal. Yeah. I think yeah, I know. should slap the bass and metal. There's, a, you know, there's the obligatory bass. saxophone solo like it's 2018 all over again. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't live through that again. But this is the point the where it's not. It's, oh, the saxophone discourse. It, I can't it do it again. I'm not strong enough. <laughs> it fits in the context of the song, though, because it's not just like a random saxophone in a death metal right. song. There's a like, there's like a, how White Ward uses saxophones in their right, music. Right, exactly. Or like that uh, Rivers of Nile album where there's just I didn't listen to sometimes. that. I don't like them. I, I hate that album. I hate it. I, hate I listened it. to it I've a seen, lot. I, saw I so don't really know how I feel about it. Cas- New like Caspian that. has saxophone. It's pretty good. And and I, I that was actually an album that I did want to shout out um, as well because we are talking about stuff from January. Uh, Caspian's On Circles is another one that has actual year-end list potential for me, and it was it was a really it was a really fun album for me to review because I um, I passed on a few really interesting black metal promos to pick up a post rock album promo, and that's something that I might have done in high school and not necessarily <laughs> now. Um, Caspian were one of the first bands that I was listening to when I got into post-rock in the first place. And there's actually a really interesting thing that I realized listening to that album about my musical tastes intersecting in black metal 
I got into I got into black metal because I was into post rock because I realized Same. that what I really yeah. what I really like in music is tremolo picking and a shitload of reverb. Yep. No, it's pretty much uh, the exact same path I took. Yeah, and that's, there's, that's interesting, because there's not a lot of people that I hear that uh, spoke to that as well. But the I dropped off of listening to Caspian for a while when I got into listening to more and more metal. But I came back uh, to this one, um, and it is just... It fucking floored me how good it was. It's really, it's, really, it's really it's, good. It's, it's bananas, and I would highly recommend everybody check it out. Absolutely. Hey, Buke, what riffs well, you got for us, buddy? I got tons of stupid riffs from a stupid guy here. So, <laughs> oh. first off, I can't let my Rivers of Dow go, or nil, <laughs> go without saying uh, that was my fucking album of the year. That uh, year. Man, I demand uh, satisfaction, I'm sir. I'm so sorry. No, I'm no, so no, sorry. I don't know. I just do no, it. No, <laughs> the the thing that I, I like about us on this podcast here is there is no, um, you know, we're respectful, uh, yeah. but there is no, we don't tiptoe around. If we don't like something, we don't, we don't have to say we like yeah. it. I, you know, it, all due respect, we're all grown adults here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like that album. So I, I, I can't let our listeners go without uh, just that album being crucified here. But, I'm sure if Chris uh, here, he would he would back you up too because if I recall correctly, he was very into that album. The first time I heard that, it was one of the things I didn't know about the saxes, and I heard that I was like, "What the fuck!" Like when you look at like you know what you're listening to, but you have to like grab your phone and like look again, like what the heck is this? <laughs> did, 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 am yeah. I somehow receiving radio signals from yeah. Yeah. listening? Yeah. Yeah. Like, smooth jazz yeah. station yeah. is intersecting with my death metal exactly <laughs> it's like when your girlfriend sends you a picture you're like my god like i have this my god look at this <laughs> uh, so going back uh, uh i have been listening to um is a prog doom instrumental album will be dropping on the 28th of this month from insect arc oh uh, yeah dude pretty cool background music when i'm playing my games when i'm Getting owned by twelve-year-olds in Fortnite. <laughs> That's what I have on in the background. We um, get some sick slide guitar going. <laughs> exactly. If Cat was on here, she would back me up on this, and probably saying that the Death White album, Grave Image, it's a real gothic metal album. I love. I went out and bought it instantly. I will back you up on that because I reviewed that album for the site, and I liked it so much more than I thought that I was going to. <laughs> Because I I'm I don't generally go in for stuff that sounds like that. I find that like it's often a little bit too melodramatic, and again, they, I feel like they try to do too much. But this it's a very simple album. It's just it's heavy riffs and really really strong vocals from a guy who is like a very very obviously a natural singer. Yep. Like a lot of what I don't like about the sort of, like, gothic metal albums, they try to push the clean singing a little bit too much, and oftentimes it's really obvious when you get somebody who's not a natural singer who tries to, like, ape other people's sounds, but this guy, his vocals sound so confident and so, like, so strong and, like, deeply rooted. Like, this is a guy who's very, very comfortable singing. Hmm. Very, and I... 
you know, January was a crazy month for me, and uh, so sorry to take away your fire there. I didn't oh, realize okay. that you had had written up a review, but I'm glad you were able to chime in on it. It's one of those, one of those rare Bandcamp listens that I literally click buy vinyl on listening like the first track or two. It was oh. it's awesome album. Yeah, I, I took that promo blind too. Like I don't even I don't think I knew anything about them. And when I, I I had a different album lined up for that week, and I didn't end up clicking with that one like I thought that I would. So I picked it as a backup, and I ended up liking it so much more than than anything else that I was listening to. And and the thing I found interesting about them, they have a real sound, and that when you hear them, if you've never listened to them, you would think, uh, you know, probably another Finnish or Swedish band. So, uh, they're right from Pitt, from Pittsburgh. Cool. Um, well, also. Uh, Supposedly, Pittsburgh confirmed that. Uh, Ishan released a new EP that I have been listening to. It's pretty good. Uh, I listened to it for the first time yesterday. Yeah. Um, uh, from a power metal uh, last month, uh, since there wasn't an episode, Serenity and, uh, keeps getting better and better. They released an album the last night. I'm loading, yeah. loading up my Spotify here with what else I've been listening Chris to. Chris just gave me a giant playlist of power metal to listen to. And I'm not sure if that one's on there or not, but if not, it's going on there because I, you're among friends here. Yes. Yes. Um, also, what power metal rules? Oh, I'm gonna, I'll talk to you for hours about it. Um, also, last month, I uh, haunt released a uh, album mind freeze that's just a tra traditional metal band killer killer stuff from them yeah. um also um i have it right here and uh silosis yes. yes yes release i good. thought they were done for good um but they, they came threatened back. being yeah. done for good and they released Cycle of Suffering that uh, blew me has blown me away. So. Yeah, that was that was a pretty good listen. That came out on the same day as The Fallen Crimson, so I listened to it once in between listens of The Fallen Crimson, so I don't really feel like I gave it a fair shot, but when I did listen to it, I was like, huh, this is definitely a <laughs> Silosis album, and that's a good thing. Yeah, you if you've heard them before, nothing you yeah. know breaking the mold. Not, but... Yeah, they're not reinventing anything about themselves. They're just yeah. you know they're giving you exactly what you hoped they would, which is a yeah. new Silosis album. <laughs> <laughs> and it was mentioned earlier, uh, the Spirit and Cosmic Terror, and that's yeah. about it. I like that one a lot. I guess I'll have to guess I'll have to throw that on. Fair enough. Uh, I've mostly been in a musicless hole uh, for a <laughs> few months. Uh, Intronaut is basically the album that sort of like pulled me out of it single-handedly. Um, but I will say I did listen to uh, the Thy Catafalque album once, and now that I feel like I'm now that Intronaut has brought me back into music listening, I want to go back to that one because I definitely liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris also tipped me off to the Gargantua album Toward the Sun. If you're into yeah. like some doomy post metal kind of stuff, that was yeah. like that was some good shit. Um, That's holy roar. They they can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. That they, label is amazing. They do have an incredibly strong lineup. Yeah. Really, I don't really know. Good. I don't go in for like I think every band that they that they put out, but like 
they've had some they've had some they they had they had the Ithaca album, which is like that's enough to sell me. I have not I've still not heard Metalcore that good in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, this is uh, a bit off the beaten path, but if uh, in case Dan Kaplan is listening, uh, <laughs> there's uh, uh, the guy from Evergreen Refuge uh, put out a uh, dungeon synth album under the name Fog Weaver. Uh, it's inspired by uh, Ursula, uh, see Ursula Kayla Gwynn's Earthsea. Uh, oh stuff. wow! So yeah, it's uh, the album's called uh, Spellwind. Uh, and I should say disclosure that it was mastered by Paul from Twilight Fauna, who I'm currently working with. So, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> that of Paul. Yes, we love Paul. I should say that up front. But yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> that that one was uh, that one was fun, too. Um, well, thanks, everyone, for coming and hanging out with uh, and talking to with me. May I say hey, may I just end on one question to our friend Charles over here? Yeah, no. Charles, you you scared me today. I don't listen to black. <laughs> oh, I I feel it. <laughs> Where's this I, going? I don't listen to black Sorry? metal like a lot of you guys do. You know, the only black metal I really listen to is the atmosphere, the atmospheric stuff, the nature yeah. stuff, like when I'm hunting in my tree stand. I throw yeah. on a little panopticon. And one of my favorite bands is Winterfell. And I woke up today to a message from you in the group chat saying, "Oh, oh yeah. no. it's what? Oh, what?" Should I not listen to this? Should I not be excited for their new album? I don't know what happened when they mastered that track, but there is one guitar that when it comes in, it is like 30% more volume than the rest of the track. And it is painful to listen to. Like, I, I mean, I like dynamics, but I want my dynamics to be clean parts and heavy parts. And what they have is black metal and then this other guitar comes in and then the volume jumps up and it just feels like somebody fucked up and put a wrong version of it. Yeah, I don't know that that counts as dynamics. I think that's just bad mixing. Oh. I mean, te- technically I think it's dynamics <laughs> sure. in that there are volume changes, but yeah, it's it's it is bad mixing. Dynamics not are not dynamic. good. We the volume talking. change is not a good dynamic to me. And well, I we were feel talking, like that would be a mastering issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking earlier about how when, when the vocals are on top, it sounds like somebody is screaming next to your stereo. This literally sounds like you're listening to the album and then somebody starts blasting through an amp beside it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's completely unconnected to the rest of the music. It's, it's, oh. I, I really do hope, because I have really enjoyed Winterfelleth and... I really hope that this is just like an accident or a fuck up. So. Like, like, so let's hope somebody clicked upload on the wrong file. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Which has happened, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> As First someone who's put on music on Bandcamp, I live in that nightmare every day. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I guess we'll have to wait for a future yep. episode to definitely follow up on that thread. Um, you can find all of our stuff at ninecircles.co uh, on various social media platforms, that, um, mostly under underscore nine circles, I think, right? Instagram and Twitter at yeah. nine circles. Yeah, we do reviews, uh, interviews, uh, occasional podcasts, you know, whatever, whatever kind of metal stuff you're into, and uh, sometimes even not metal stuff. But yeah, uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye.